The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Beyond and hello, everyone. My name is Jonathan Dornbush, and this is Podcast Beyond IGN's le- weekly. What, what word was I going to say there? Leakly. Oh, no. Leakly PlayStation show where we leak everything. Let me tell That's you, folks, right. Jack and Daxter 4, <laughs> Sly Cooper rebooted, Bloodborne 2. That's all happening. It's all Apes happening. Caught. They're no yeah. longer escaped. This is the uh, number one weekly PlayStation themed <laughs> snitch show. We are just going to spill the beans. Fun, fun, weird thing about snitches. I didn't know about this. Uh, they Paul get snitches. Bettany, they well, uh, not just that. They apparently go into ditches, according to Paul Bettany, the actor of Vision. Uh, <laughs> I saw a weird compilation on YouTube where he in like every interview he's in, where someone tries to get him to like spill a Marvel secret, he just goes like snitches end up in ditches remember that <laughs> and like he'll tell the other cast members that and like eventually over the avengers endgame like press tour they all would just like sing it in unison with him <laughs> i'd never seen any of that anyway uh paul bettany please don't come at us if we accidentally leak anything about wandavision season two we promise it'll be fine um anyway they're making, they making a season no, no, two? I thought they that's the leak no <laughs> there we go uh but you know let's let's uh not get this is what happens when it's just the two of us uh of course my name is Jonathan Dornbush, and I'm joined this week for a wonderful virtual fireside chat with Brian Altana. That's right. Uh, good to see you, Jonathan. I, I you was, too. I was, you know, what? I was, I was doing that thing. I don't know if you do this often, um, where your phone will be like, "Here's a time you were happy two years ago," and show you like a really old picture. But yeah. um, I believe one of the last podcasts we did before we went into shelter in place and the office and stuff like that was a, a one-on-one podcast that you and I did together, yeah. which was, yeah. And so my phone pulled up this picture. I believe it was from, it might've been from like February of last it. year. Yeah. And it's you and I in a studio talking and I'm excited to replicate that. Um, yeah. From home. Me too. It's, it's so wild to think that it literally has only been a year since like that. And the bloodborne let's play. And like that year has also been a decade uh, because we also went through the PlayStation five launch on, you mm-hmm. know, on top of the, the rest of the world happening. But um, you know, uh, I, I love doing these episodes because I think even when we go off on tangents, they're like some of the most fun tangents to go off of. And this is a particularly weird time because we are in a very quiet PlayStation place. I think I joke a bit on the show, even when it's very busy of how quiet it is for PlayStation. But I think it's like, it's hard to argue right now that PlayStation is quiet and Xbox is sort of dominating the news cycle for, for the time being. 
It's weird. It's it's really weird. Um, I mean, even Nintendo had a, a direct a few weeks ago. It feels like they're sort of consistently humming along with stuff. They're at the tail end of cleaning up for Super Mario's birthday party and stuff <laughs> like that and ramping up for the next thing. And Xbox has just constantly been like, here's a bunch of new games coming to Game Pass. Here's an acquisition. Here's our new headset. And Sony's been quiet. And I, I mean, they, they sell every PS5 that they put out, so they don't really need to do anything. But it does kind of feel like if you did buy a PS5 launch, you're probably starting to feel that itch a little bit of like, what's what's next? Like, what's going on? Like, we know Returnal is, you know, their their next big exclusive game coming out, uh, what, April 30th? Yeah, the next end month, of April. Um, which I'm super excited for. But that, you know, that feels quite a while away from right now. And also, I, I would like to know what the rest of the year looks like. I'm sure they'll spill the beans soon or <laughs> leak it uh, as, as we do here. But uh, for now, it's yeah, it's just kind of quiet but we did get a little bit of cool news this morning right we did yeah and so we're gonna go over that as well as a, a bunch of your questions thank you to everyone who uh, replied to uh brian's tweet uh, about uh looking for topics to discuss uh, obviously you know there was a, before we jump into the actual bit of news that did happen there was a little bit of a funny like trend i noticed in comments for last week's episode where people are like man there's no playstation news to talk about so they got to talk about xbox but it's like Eh, we're still uh, apparently everyone wants us to because a lot of the questions were about what Sony should be doing in response to the X to Xbox's moves. Totally. Um, so we're going to get there in just a sec. But yeah, there was a little bit of proper PlayStation news. And that is the fact that we seem to be getting a new PlayStation published exclusive. I think a little bit of the wording here is a little interestingly loose and we can dive into that in a little bit. But we got word that Jade Raymond, who, of course, is famous for uh, producing the Assassin's Creed franchise. She was also a producer on Watch Dogs. Uh, uh, the first one, I believe, uh, and then later went on to uh, start EA Motive, which was a studio that was meant to do a bunch of Star Wars games and original IP. But then, uh, you know, things happened there and the, the studio didn't quite work out. Then she moved to Google Stadia and then also the Google Stadia didn't work out. Uh, but so now uh, Jade has decided to open a new studio called Haven. They're Montreal based. Uh, they will be an independent studio, so they, they are not. I've seen some misconceptions. They don't seem to be. It's not a new SIE studio. This is an independent studio that is into a publishing deal. For me, it's sort of along the lines of uh, Kojima Productions uh, doing yes. the Death Stranding deal. Uh, and so anyway, the, the wording here, essentially, Jade talked a little bit about how, like, you know, turbulent, obviously, the last 12 months have been for everyone. Uh, but so today I'm announcing Haven. This is from the official blog post an independent studio where many of the talented game developers I have worked with for years and love dearly are coming together to do what we are most passionate about. It's time for us to refocus on games in a place where we can practice our crafts without any barriers or impediments. We want to create worlds where players can escape, have fun, express themselves and find community. We want to pour our passion into a project. We want to make something wondrous for people to experience because we believe in the power of games to bring joy to people's lives. And Sony does, too. Their commitment to excellence is unmatched. It's why I couldn't be happy, happier for their backing and support. Uh, together, we want to create games that are a haven for players, and we want to build a studio that is a haven for developers. So while we don't have many details to announce today, I want uh, the PlayStation community to know that Haven Studios is already hard at work on an unannounced IP. We can't wait to show you more. So um, no information about what this game is. Obviously, Jade is known for having been part of uh, some pretty big third person action, both open world and more narrative focused games um, on the Ubisoft side. And of course, that seemed to be sort of the inklings of where things might have been going on uh, the motive side. But uh, no details about it. So I, I, I don't want to get too deep into speculation of what the game might be, because it really could be anything at this point. I think there are right. some details there of like 
community. So there will probably be some social or multiplayer aspect to it, I would guess, things along those lines. But um, this to me is is a really exciting opportunity. One, uh, and Brian, I kind of wanted to get your overall thoughts just because Jade Raymond hasn't really gotten to make a game in a few years. And um, it's she's a name that I think a lot of people know, but hasn't really had a published game in, you know, six, seven years. I think that that you worded that perfectly. Um, Jade Raymond hasn't gotten to make a game in a few years. Not <laughs> not Jade Raymond hasn't made a game in a few years. Like she's, yeah. I, I wouldn't put her in the box of like you know washed up developers who just gave up or something. Like it's not for a lack of trying that Jade Raymond hasn't put a game out. It just feels like the the stars haven't aligned or that she's aligned with a bunch of these sort of like you know megalith companies that I believe ultimately aren't the best place for stories like this. I mean, like EA and Stadia are, you know, there's those are gigantic or, you know, part of gigantic machines with a million moving parts. Um, Was she was she working on was it 1313 or Ragtag? The Star Wars. uh, Well, so Amy Hedding was on uh, Ragtag, I think. Uh, I think think with Jade, the projects were never officially announced outside of Motive's work on Battlefront 2. Right, right. They they had announced that they were working on both original IP and I think a new Star Wars game, but none of that ever like came to fruition in any way that we heard about. Yeah, I mean, it's like not to, you know, beat up the billion dollar company so much, (laughs) but um, like Stadia run by Google was a thing that like sort of cornered a bunch of pretty high profile studios and, and figureheads and devs and kind of, you know, put them, put them in a corner for a, a year or two, and then basically just scrapped all plans to develop internal games in house, uh, relying on third party stuff for Stadia and like good for them for, you know, f- fine tuning their business model, <laughs> but this sort of, uh, creative shrapnel that is, stuck in the wall from a decision like that kind of sucks. But yeah, I, I, the good news, the, the silver lining here is that Jade Raymond makes cool stuff. I believe that she knows how to run a studio when there's support there above her. And I'm really excited to see what she does. Uh, this feels to me like another sort of like third person action game in Sony's PlayStation stable, which I would I'm okay with. Yeah. <laughs> Very okay <laughs> with that. Uh, that said, like the fact that she just, Uh, basically just closed the doors on a game that she was developing for stadia and is just now opening a new studio for this uh, it feels like we're at least two years away from playing whatever this could be right i would assume or seeing it even yeah there it's one of those things where you know like kojima productions it was a like several year cycle before we saw anything from death stranding and there was a lot of i mean the first year year and a half of that studio's press cycle was like kojima going on a world tour to pick an engine like that Mm -hmm. was that was what we had going on there and i don't think that's what we'll see here i do think as as jade said like we're already hard at work on this new unannounced ip or franchise um i would imagine her especially saying in this post that she's working with a lot of the developers she's worked with over the years that's probably some people from either the ea or sadia if not both sides that she's working with so they probably already have a bit of a familiarity with each other there's probably some sort of staff size but also i would i would assume this is going to be a smaller scale project than kojima productions i could be totally off base but to me i would see something almost in the wheelhouse of and this is just a total reach this is not based on anything but like a plague tale innocence sized project Mm. maybe more so than a death stranding sized project i'm very okay Um, with that uh the kojima thing is really interesting because like you know, there was a running joke for a while, like when's this game out? But if you actually look at the timeline of that man leaving 
Konami forming a studio, finding an engine. I mean, not just forming a studio, building all, uh, the, the coolest hallway in the history of game dev. <laughs> <laughs> One of the most photographed places uh, on earth if you're famous. Um, and then sort of announcing and launching a game. Um, that was actually a relatively short timeline for, yeah. you know, for a third person open world game. Now, granted, Death Stranding is an open world game that doesn't really have a lot of like there are, you know, there aren't like, you know, horse testicles and, and tr- bending tree <laughs> physics and stuff like that. It's 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 barren by design. Um, and I, I adore the aesthetic of it, even if I wasn't crazy about the game itself. But I think a cool thing there is having access to Sony's sort of like internal bench of help and developers and engines and coding and all the idea that that jade raymond can do an engine tour in the same way kojima did and go like you know what's a good match for this and reach across the aisle and get help from sony like maybe there's a possibility there maybe that will speed things up i think that's super super cool like personally I, i think that like the fact that there are so many competent and i i would say just you know some of the greatest uh, developers on earth underneath the Sony umbrella right now, um, that her studio can reach out to for assistance in, in the million different moving parts that it takes to make a video game is super, super cool. It's a lot different than just striking it out on your own. So totally. Yeah. It's one of those things where to me, the implication here is that Sony's probably going to publish this on PlayStation platforms. I think it probably opens them up to either one be working on other projects, either concurrently or, you know, a little bit stagnated, like in the future after they've worked on this or staggered, excuse me, not stagnated. And uh, I'm I'm already calling them stagnated and they've only been alive for a day as a studio. I'm really, really, you know, so in the hurry up (laughs) where's the game uh but no it's it's one of those things that i think um as you're saying like it it allows them to remain independent which clearly seems to be what jade wants to do here especially as you said after working with a few big corporations where it didn't quite work out but Mm -hmm. she can still get the backing of sony and as you were saying like the resource sharing that we seem to see across playstation studios like obviously kojima grabbed the engine from a sony first party developer with decima and everything uh, and gorilla so having jade and this new studio get those resources but still be allowed their independence is an exciting opportunity for whatever's to come mm-hmm. um and just to sort of uh wind back just so we have our history right before anyone t- uh, tells us we were wrong in the comments um so when motive was started all the way back uh in 2015 i believe it was with uh jade she was going to be working with visceral on amy Hedick's project which was right oh right so that's that's where i think that all came together so yeah they and you know again amy is another person who not for a lack of trying has been trying to make games ever since she left naughty dog totally Um, totally and and has recently i believe she partnered with skydance uh productions to start working on like games with them but yeah i for me personally uh, again it's it's hard to like not want to speculate too much about what this game could be i i'm excited to see it because it's just a what is a jade raymond game after so many years of not being able to put out the work that she was producing Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously with the lineage there that she had from Ubisoft and uh, the 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 big open world important games that came out of her work there uh, alongside those big teams, of course. I'm so curious to see what a smaller scale focus thing might be. I also do want to shout out uh, them saying, you know, they want this to be a haven for players and a haven for developers. That to me is very like lofty talk to say because it's it's boring to write it out this way but they want to make sure it's a a place that respects the devs working there and i hope that that is in fact the case Mm -hmm. um but that being part of the mission statement here i i appreciated seeing 
Um, before we move on from this, I just generally, I, Brian, I wanted to sort of get your thoughts because we've talked about it a little bit and obviously it's hard to not ignore in the face of what we talked about last week of the, the Bethesda deal becoming, uh, you know, uh, final. We, we saw Microsoft and Xbox put together sort of a like pre-taped live show about what this, uh, meeting uh, or this meeting of the mind means for them. Uh, do you think Sony's approach right now, you know, they obviously do have this this built up Sony first party stable from all these years. Do you think what we've seen from them kind of for the start of this generation of third party exclusives, do you think that will even if they're timed, do you think that will work out in the long run? Do you th- do you think that's a decent strategy? Like, how do you see that working out in the long term? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that their their stable still sort of remains unmatched to me. And like I, I like Bethesda stuff, but if I was to take their entire library and put it up against some of my favorite PlayStation exclusives, I would give PlayStation the slight edge, even though um, Bethesda has an amazing track record, an amazing history. And the fact that they're just like dropping all their games on Game Pass day one is huge. I love that. I love Game Pass. I love my Series X just to get that out of the way and make that abundantly clear. (laughs) That said, I do think there's a tendency for all of us, and we're all guilty of it, right, of when a big decision like this happens, a big merger like this happens or an acquisition, um, we tend to sort of feel like, you know, like there's this giant bird that's only feeding some of the babies and we're like, where's ours, you know? And so I think there is an idea of like, maybe there should be a fairness across the board uh, and PlayStation has to react in some specific way. I don't necessarily know if that's the case. Um, I, I think this news is fantastic for Xbox. I think it hurts PlayStation in the long run in terms of big big games going exclusively to Xbox and not to PlayStation. To be completely frank, I, I think that like, if there are big million seller fallout games in the future and they don't make it to PlayStation, um, that's a that's a bummer for PlayStation. It's a bummer for people who only own a PlayStation. Um, that said, I don't know if they necessarily need to kind of like panic buy a studio <laughs> to kind of get revenge here. Um, I have a feeling they have a lot of sort of irons in the fire in terms of internal, you know, uh, first, second, third party stuff that they can align with, uh, that's going to help tell stories on, on their platforms for years to come. Um, it is, a, it is a bummer if you only own a PlayStation. Cause like, you know, there was a lot of like, um, yeah, we'll probably get some games and, you know, I, they'll definitely have to put all the games on PlayStation. Cause you can't ignore that audience to, you know, um, Xbox pretty much just saying like, hey, no, like a lot of this stuff's going to be exclusive. So, I mean, I'm sure that was a tough pill to swallow for some people. I I have made it a point to always try to get both consoles because of nonsense like this, (laughs) to be frank. (laughs) Um, But I don't I don't really know if Sony needs to like rush out and buy a developer. Um, I don't know. How do you how do you feel about that? Because I'm kind of split on it. It's one of those things where, like, I I do think one of the talking points that uh, is a little bit more of, as you were saying, like a a hard pill to swallow is like, you know, at the end of the day, I don't necessarily want to see the Disneyfication of games. Like, I don't want there just to be three mega corporations at the end of all of this where everything is coming from, because that will dampen, you know, some creativity and all of it. And I say that, you know fully aware of how much Disney content I consume on a weekly Mm -hmm. basis. So like, I'm fully aware that I've bought into that, but like, I, I like deals like this where we do get to see things being independent, uh, but still bring some exclusives to the platform because exclusives are what often are used as selling points for the platform. Like the, at the end of the day, Microsoft was lagging behind and they needed to catch up. And the Bethesda deal is a really great way to catch up. 
Um, but I, in terms of it being catch up, I think to what you were saying, Sony is a business right now, even if yes, Game Pass is dominating every Twitter conversation I see. If, you know, 20 games from Bethesda coming on one day, Outriders coming day one to Game Pass on April 1st, like we're seeing a lot of really great news for Game Pass, but we're, especially in the short term, we're not going to see that as suddenly like Sony losing all of these console sales. Like, as you were saying, the PS5 just keeps selling out. They're not, you know, lacking for selling those things out. When Horizon hits, when God of War hits, they're going to be just fine selling those games. And so as a company, I don't see Sony feeling like it needs to respond until they notice a major market and mindshare loss. Like, totally. I definitely think they're they're losing a little bit of the mindshare right now because, you know, the state of play a couple weeks ago, as cool as some of those games looked, I think we've all forgotten that state of play must happen at this point. Um, yeah. Wh- whereas a thing like Game Pass, Microsoft gets to literally have a news beat every other day, practically with that sort of thing. And so it, it keeps them in the conversation more. PlayStation hasn't been in the conversation that way, but they don't probably feel like they need to. And I'm sure the sales will probably tell them in the short term they don't need to, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Um, it's also like it's important to note that like that's a conversation you and I see because we're like nose to the grindstone when it comes to sort of like internet, social media, like our, our, our entire timelines are, are composed of gamers who are people yeah, excited or angry or, you know, <laughs> some combination of both. <laughs> Usually both. Yeah. Usually both. Um, but in the grand scheme of things, like if the, the, the sort of brand identity of PlayStation is still the one that people associate with big triple a third party games, the call of duties and the FIFAs and stuff like that, then I don't think they need to be super worried. Um, I think if you line up all their exclusives side by side, like the conversation is going to get a little closer and closer, which is, which is a good thing. Um, but the, the Bethesda deal feels like it was something that was years in the works. I have no idea how much of that information Sony was privy to, um, which is an interesting, you know, sort of conversation because obviously there are some, exclusive things happening underneath Bethesda that predate this merger uh, or acquisition. Um, and so I don't know if they knew, like if they were at the table being like, so Deathloop's cool, but what's, uh, what are you guys working on in the future? And they're like, Oh, we're, uh, we're going <laughs> to, we're getting married. It's <laughs> like, yeah. uh, uh, Deathloop, just focus on death. Right. Now. Right. Totally like, yeah. So that's an interesting thing. Cause I, then that would tell me that, you know, if Sony had was privy to that information, then maybe that they would start to consider like what's the next few years look like for us too. Um, yeah. Cause there's going to be a few gaps missing where those games used to be. And it'd be nice to fill those on our platforms. Um, yeah. These are gigantic companies with hundreds of thousands of people working for them. Yeah, seemingly. We're, we're talking so, a little bit as if they're like, it's just one, you know, yeah. Jim, Jim Sony and, and Phil Xbox talking, but it is a, it, there is so much that goes into this. And I, I but I definitely uh, totally understand where you're coming from. It's like, um, who knows how that deal affected potential plans on Sony's side, like how much they knew ahead of time. Um, but also we do see deals on their side. Like we did last year, we, you know, final fantasy 16 is coming. Project Athia from square is going to be a, a launch exclusive. I believe like we're, we're going to see more and more of those things I think pop up, but I mm-hmm. don't think we're going to see Sony rush to be like, Oh, Xbox got eight more studios. Let's buy five more of our own. Like, I, I just don't see that happening in the short term. Yeah. And I mean, uh, like, would would you want that to happen? I don't necessarily know if I would personally. No. Like I. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I'm 
I'm I'm I'm happy with with what they're working on. I'm happy with what with what's coming soon. Um, personally, like right now, rather than being like, here's an update on the studios we want to buy, I would be I'd rather see like, here's an update to Elden Ring. Like, here's how <laughs> we're going to you know bring modernize some FromSoft games. Here's what Bluepoint's doing next. Like, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of studios that are like Sony. You know, Sony Bend. What's what's next for them? Like, there's a lot of really cool studios that they have. Um, that you know is sort of in in flux between launching a pretty big game and then not really knowing what's next. I'd rather get updates on those things rather than you know them being like, "Hey, we're buying EA or something yeah. like that." I, I mean, we even have that San Diego studio that kind of has just been silent, or San Diego or LA. Forgive me, I forget the exact location, but that California-based studio that's kind of just been quiet, but we all know exists. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's definitely going to be curious to see when when and if we get updates on those things and i i do want to keep talking about this uh sort of the this episode of podcast beyond is brought to you by nordvpn a great way to protect yourself online while also improving your overall experience while enjoying cyberspace are you tired of streaming shows movies or sporting events being unavailable in your region due to draconian restrictions that are based on completely arbitrary geographical boundaries in physical meat space well switch your virtual location to a place where that's no longer an issue The same goes for shopping. You can get the best possible deal on subscriptions, flights, hotels, and other goods and services like that from websites that like to play favorites with certain territories and currencies. Meanwhile, encrypted traffic protects your data from hackers, viruses, malware, phishing sites, and other harmful hitchhikers of the information superhighway. Though really, it's more of an information autobahn because there is no speed limit with NordVPN. It is the fastest VPN in the world, so there won't be any buffering or lagging, and it'll stop your ISP from throttling your bandwidth. Isn't that nice? One NordVPN account can be used across six devices, which is great. My wife has been using our account to watch all sorts of awful British reality TV shows that aren't available here, like Argument Island or Half-Naked Idiots Fall in Love, and everyone's favorite, The Worst People Just Got Married, Let's Hear Them Talk About It. Shows that are so bad, they're blocked in our part of the world for our own good, but luckily, NordVPN allows her to trick the internet into thinking she's in the UK, so she and her awful friends can shriek and howl and cackle at the TV while I'm trying to relax. I've been using my VPN too. You know what I've been using it for? None of your business. Yep, that's right. And thanks to NordVPN, my data is safely encrypted, all bundled up in a weighted security blanket of incomprehensibly complex math problems, and nobody can tell what it's doing under there. Data, you do your thing. I'll leave you alone. One month of NordVPN coverage costs less than a cup of coffee. Coffee can't protect you from cyber criminals unless you throw it at them or pour it on their computers, and you'll probably get in trouble for doing that. So get NordVPN instead. To get the best possible discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash pobeyond. That link will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Again, that is nordvpn.com slash pobeyond. And now, back to the show. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. 
So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. The comparison nature of things, because we we did get a lot of questions about that. But before we do, I did briefly want to bring up in terms of like Sony, probably not worrying too much uh, MPD results for February um, were that it's, you know, the the PS5 is the fastest selling console in U.S. history by dollar sales, uh, but was only the second best selling hardware platform in February, which means like, you know, they're pushing these things out as quickly as they can. But there's clearly a demand for them. So I don't think they are too worried by the news cycle i think it's one of those things where like three or four years down the line where does the conversation rest and how does sony feel about it then Mm -hmm. um but i I do want to get into those conversations but before i do uh brian you wanted to uh bring up a cool thing yeah uh so our friends over at numskull are basically putting out an entire line of playstation themed gear on thursday this week uh if you can't buy a ps5 which you probably can't um they're making some cool stuff shirts hats uh, looks like coasters. We saw a teaser image that I don't want to spoil too much of, but like I, I've always been a big fan of uh, sort of slightly more subtle like gaming clothes. I know I'm wearing a gigantic sweatshirt <laughs> that has uh, Alucard on it, but um, I, I will say that like uh, they're making some cool stuff. It's going up for pre-order this week. Uh, they have a history of making like pretty awesome sort of like uh, console accessories and merch and stuff like that. So they tipped us off. Go check it out. Uh, I will say while I was on the website, I noticed that they are also selling um, and this is just geeky garbage just for me. Uh, <laughs> a bunch of enamel pins that are based on like late 70s, early 80s Kenner Star Wars action figures. So oh, I bought so cool. a ton of them. I don't know where I'm going to put anything anymore. I got a pin board, <laughs> so that's good. Um, that's, yeah, so yeah, a good call. So check out Numskull uh, this Thursday. I believe it's numskull.com. We're not they're not like a paid to say that. I just think they make cool shit. No, they totally do. They um, uh, speaking of their pins in the past, um, they made a pin set for Crash Bandicoot. That was uh, the pr- presentation of it was really cool. It was in the uh, basically design of like a crash crate that you would smash in the world. Uh, and all the pins were like put in there. They did a Spyro one that I believe was like a Spyro chest that you would open up and all the, the pins were in there. They do a lot of. Really oh, cool I, yeah. Work. I remember you had those on your desk. Yeah, there's they're really cool collections and they're they're pretty great quality stuff so yeah i'm, I'm mm-hmm. definitely excited to see uh because i don't actually have too much like recent playstation merch i've realized um i need something a little more subtle but yeah uh thank you for that shout out brian uh but yeah i did want to of course uh bring up some questions we got a bunch in from people on twitter thank you brian again for putting out a call for questions yeah, of course. Uh, with it being a quieter news week there's still i think a lot to talk about in context and i think one of the the most clear uh, topic that I saw people br- bring up was essentially, does PlayStation need to respond to Game Pass immediately? I think not just in light of, you know, the 20 Bethesda game showing up, but stuff like Outriders, which is a multiplayer g- or a multi-platform game coming day and date to Game Pass on April 1st. That's a, you know, a major Square Enix uh, looter shooter sort of game uh, that's going to just be available on Game Pass day one, whereas PlayStation, you'll have to buy it as far as we know, unless it comes to uh, PlayStation Plus. But we have right. not heard that. Um, but we got a ton of questions related to Game Pass and PlayStation Now and PlayStation Plus. So uh, the first one I wanted to bring up was actually from uh, Felicia, our wonderful coworker uh, on the IGN team. Felicia asked, has the news around Xbox changed or resurfaced feelings about you, what you'd both like to see come to the PS5 in regards to its own features or services? And I, w- I want to start off with this one because it's a little bit more of a general look at it. And Brian, I want to hear from you because 
we've definitely talked about how great Game Pass is in the in the past. But what are your hopes slash like realistic expectations of what we might get akin to that from Sony? Um, I mean, it it feels like it would it would take like an entire overhaul of infrastructure <laughs> infrastructure at this point for them to create something competitive on that level. I mean, they do have PlayStation now, which admittedly, um, and I want to be completely transparent about this. Uh, like you and I are not like super well-versed in like all things considered, despite the fact that we're both big PlayStation people we're like very deep in that ecosystem in those games. I don't really mess with PlayStation now, uh, as often as I should. And every time I see you know, the game pass versus what should Sony do comparison people who really love PS now bring that up. And I'm happy that it's bringing people a lot of joy. And honestly, I should dig into it more because it, it feels like there's a lot of cool stuff there. I will say though, that part of that feels like Sony's inability to really ring that bell. Constantly. We hear about game pass constantly. You hear about PlayStation now infrequently at best. Um, and I do think that that's like, I, I said before this generation started, I really wish they had sort of like renamed it, rebranded it, rolled in a few services together, made it part of the PlayStation Plus tier or something like that. Like the fact that, you know, all of those things are are still sort of disparate um, is not something I'm I'm super wild about. It, It feels like a separate corner. Of, of of things when you go to buy a game on the store sometimes you're like this is a this is how much the game costs if you're just a regular human person if you're a regular human person that subscribes to ps plus maybe you get a discount but then sometimes there's that like weird little guitar pick triangle that's like hey we're also on ps now come check this out over here and then you're like oh, just roll all of this in together like make this a little bit easier for everybody so that would be my that would be my my start like this is this is not like if you asked you know what should Nintendo do? And they'd be like, oh no, we got, we got to start. We got to start from scratch. We're doing our yeah. homework on the bus. This is like PlayStation has something that's, that's virtually adjacent to a service like this. And I think beefing it up and ringing the bell and really being like, this is what this is really screaming from the rafters. Every time a high profile game comes to the service, that's their best bet right now. Like make yeah. that thing you have immensely popular and tell more people how great it is, you know, yeah. celebrate yourself. It's um, no, absolutely. We got, you know, along those lines, Stephen asked, does PlayStation Plus need to make a Game Pass repellent sooner or later, or do they just need to stay the course? Uh, I like that he said repellent. (laughs) Repellent. Yeah, Um, probably just an autocorrect thing. But I do like the idea of like a a game repellent. Um, Tim asked, (laughs) how how would you fix PlayStation now? Um, And Mara asked, wanting us to do a little bit of a breakdown of PlayStation now its current library and how it stacks up to game pass and the steps they could take to improve it. But I think all of this speaks to kind of what you were saying. It's like, I really do think, and again, I don't know the logistics of this. We don't work at Sony. We have no idea what may be holding this up. I feel like if just next month they said in the same way, there's game pass ultimate PlayStation plus ultimate or PlayStation plus plus whatever dumb name they want to call it. You get, you get, PS Now, you get PlayStation Plus all in one for a reduced price. So many more people, I think, would play PlayStation Now. Or if like PS5s all came with six months of PS Now, like just take that hit to get people into the service. Because I think I think the thing PS Now has going against it is that it's just been around for so damn long. Like you were saying, they don't really ring that bell. And, you know, we do get those monthly blog posts, but it's like it is it's a a legacy service at this point for them. Like it's, it's been around for so long that it's like people i think either forget or don't think to look into it because they know they need to get playstation plus if they're new to playstation so like 
I, I really do feel like if you just put these things together, and I don't know why, I wish I wish there was an obvious, like maybe there is a very obvious answer for the reason they don't do this, but I feel like if they wanted something that would relate to Game Pass, PS Now, you know, there's more than just streaming games. You can download PS4 and PS2 games to play offline. It's pretty robust. They put in some big games, even if they take them out after like three or four months, they do put mm-hmm. big, big ones in. It just feels like that's the answer and it's right there. And the only reason I think that they don't do it is because they probably don't feel like they need to just yet. Even if, right. you know, even if we do talk about Game Pass all the time, not just on this show, but like the Internet in general about how great of a deal it is. I feel like the, I just don't know otherwise why you wouldn't put them. Well, together. I yeah, I, I mean, I wonder if part of that is just the sort of the fundamental geographical breakdown of what Sony is as a company versus Microsoft. Like I would never yeah. describe Microsoft as like a, a nimble studio. Um, They're, you know, uh, uh, formerly owned by one of the you know richest people in history. They're one of the oldest sort of like internet tech companies, whatever you want to shape them. Um, But that said, I I do think that they're, they've been a little bit more malleable this generation um, for, to, to react to things on the fly. I think that they're, their social media presence has been just a little bit more human down to yeah. earth. I think there's a lot more sort of like <laughs> winky emojis and stuff like that when they drop a news announcement. Um, but one of the big distinct differences here uh, between Game Pass and and anything PlayStation does is that PlayStation, I don't believe, is willing to day and date drop their big first party exclusive titles for free air quotes on one of these services like i just don't think that they'll do that i think that they look at you know you kicked off the show talking about mb mpd before i think that they look at the numbers that they make off of dollar sales of of software uh, for for games like this and they go why would we need to do that you know look, you look yeah. at ghost of tsushima the last of us uh god of war spider-man i mean the amount of money they make off of like selling those games uh, i feel like it's an interesting situation because microsoft has or had uh and maybe will has for a while uh sort of uh, i I would say a less less strong stable of sort of triple a first party exclusive stuff right it's growing and they're they're making great strides there but this is the decision they made that decision to drop their games onto their services uh, I believe because they needed a reason to get people to those services. And whereas Sony people are being like, you should do this too. Their reason to do that was, is because game pass did it. It's not because they need to do it. Totally. Um, yeah. It would be great for us as consumers, right? You'd save a bunch of money, but I just don't see them going, Hey, you know, for six bucks a month or seven bucks a month, 10 bucks a month, 14 bucks a month, you get, you know, miles Morales for free along with, 150 other games i just don't feel like, like they'll do that when they can top npd for a few months straight with a game like that oh totally yeah i i think like even if you combine the two things i don't think we'll see that first party um day and date thing uh until like sony feels like they're in a desperate place because mm-hmm. it, as you were saying like xbox needed a reason to drum up interest around their first party stable when things weren't as great compared to playstation even stuff that like launched in not great states like sea of thieves has really you know rebounded and come around and people love it but i i don't know if it would have had the legs and the sea legs had it not been there sorry uh on day one on game pass like if that were a 60 dollar multiplayer game that everyone had to buy into 
I mean, same thing with Destruction All-Stars. I think it's so smart that they're going to $20 because I don't right. think selling that at 70 bucks is going to be the way to get that game of uh, a player base. Well, uh, I, I, I've like I've thought a lot about like, you know, something like Crackdown 3, which had a pretty sizable defense force on day one, despite not being a critical darling at all. And a lot of that is because of the sort of, you know, incredibly low barrier to entry. You can just click a button and download that game and mess around in the open world and maybe not overthink the state of quality or lack thereof that it was at launch because you didn't drop 60, 70 bucks on. And I don't know if like, you know, Sony has a lot of crackdown threes. Like if they have a lot of situations (laughs) like that where, and this is not to say that like, Game Pass is full of six out of 10 games that they just drop there because there's some immensely cool stuff on that service. But I think with a game like that, like it made sense to put it on Game Pass, um, whereas I don't know if they would do that with uh, Days Gone or something like that or God of War or yeah. Death Stranding. I mean, I to your point about like when they see these games topping the charts of MPD, like why would there be any reason to? It's I feel like almost every Sony first party game that came out in the PS4 generation, we were writing news stories that were like, it's the fastest selling entry in the franchise or the fastest selling PS4 exclusive or the fastest selling new PS4 franchise like Sony or with Horizon and God of War and Tsushima and The Last of Us Part Two, Like they had so many chart topping hits that stayed even if it was for a short time on the charts, usually for a couple months. And so, yeah, I just I can't fathom we'll ever get to that place. But I do think they could still marry PS Now and PS Plus and get things in a little bit of a better place so that when people ask, what is your answer to Game Pass? They say you could say PlayStation Now right now, but I think it's just so out of the mind frame of people. I do. I agree with you. It feels like there is a bit of a branding issue there. And mm-hmm. they just it's. Not for a lack of it being a bad service, like or a good service. It's it seems pretty strong. And again, as you were saying, we both personally don't have a ton of experience with it. Um, probably should have more, to be honest. But it, yeah, it's just such a weird space to be in because I feel like we talk about Game Pass every other day. Like especially you know being part of the news cycle for IGN and everything, whether it's in video or written. Like there's usually a Game Pass story now at least once a week. <laughs> yeah, and I think that like uh, the interesting part of the conversation there is that Sony is primarily aiming to get consumers to buy their four or five hundred dollar box and then subsequently buy a bunch of peripherals and software. And um, that is an age old uh, technique strategy that has worked historically. Um, I think Microsoft slowly making that sort of like slow hum that is just always there. And then being like, oh, by the way, we're going to be on phones. We're going to be on smart TVs. We're going to be on laptops and PCs and iPads. Um, getting Game Pass everywhere there, I think, is the sort of the bigger is the bigger threat um, to what Sony does historically, yeah. uh, because that opens them up to millions of consumers that maybe don't want to buy a large white tower <laughs> and put in their homes. <laughs> You know, I I think that like there's some people don't want that sort of malleable approach to video games. They just want to be able to hit a button and play video games. And so to me, that's that's the thing they should be aiming at. Like if they're if they're going to boost up PlayStation now, great. But I don't want them to just think of PlayStation gamers as people who own a console. Like they need to start figuring out a way to get their games everywhere. And I think that like the slow move to getting some of their stuff on PC is the start to that. Um, And ideally, you know, they, they. They they get their internal cloud streaming stuff working and 
and everyone's playing PlayStation games everywhere as they should be because I want more people to play God of War and Bloodborne. Yeah. They're awesome, you know. I I saw a couple questions of people sort of saying like, do you think Sony needs to be like on the cusp of these these technologies uh, like streaming and cloud services and it's that funny thing of like they bought Gaikai, which is yeah. you know the basis for PS Now years ago. They were at least in this case they were a bit too far ahead of it, <laughs> um, and and not to say you know that they've been able to keep momentum in that field but like they they were thinking of these things just it seems like not at quite the right moment yeah um, i mean and but, and you know we haven't actually seen xcloud roll out everywhere in a fully functional form yet it's still sure. pretty wonky when you start it up there's still like a sideways rocket ship going like isn't that this might crash let us know how we're flying um yeah and so you know stadia was ahead of its time i guess and like it 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 could be that the world's not ready for any of that yet. I think there, you know, we saw during the pandemic, the numbers, uh, uh, sort of the, the spectrum of digital versus physical sales tilted digital in in wider numbers than it ever did before. Um, will that taper off now that stores will start to open? People start to get vaccinated, possibly. Uh, but I think we're a long time away from people just being like, hey, I, I don't own anything anymore. I just... I just play things through the cloud. Like, I, I think yeah. there's a sizable amount of PlayStation people that still live in countries all over the world where the idea of, you know, streaming 16 terabytes of video game a day is unheard of. And so yeah. for them, yeah, buy a console and put a disc in. It makes perfect sense. Totally. And uh, yeah, this is one of those things where I think we're having this conversation. Uh, we've both said it, but like in terms of what does Sony need to do right now to compete with Game Pass? I, I don't think they feel like they need to. And whether or not like fans agree or, uh, you know, the general Twitter sentiment agrees, the sales for them, I think, are proving that what they've been doing is still working. And so I yeah. don't think we're going to see a massive change just yet. Yeah, I think the word um, the, the the emphasis on the word need there is the important part. Yeah, it's like how much of this is a necessity for their current business model this second versus how how much should they be looking out of the corner of their eye at this like sort of slow, slow moving tank yeah. and then going like, what, what can we build as a defense against this? And they very well might be. And we just don't know about it yet. I mean, like as, as we said multiple times on this show last year in the, you know, eight months before the PS5 came out, Sony can be real quiet when they want to. So mm -hmm. they, and they're, go ahead. I was just going to say, and to clarify, slow moving tank implies that there are fast tanks. And <laughs> I don't know if that's Ooh, true. Speed. Are there? There's probably tanks. fast tanks, right? There's yeah, probably a better name for them. Are they yeah. just Hummers? Hot tanks. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Hot tank sounds like a weird bar. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, that's that's that the answer to that question. We definitely did it. Um, Hot Tanks is your PlayStation Plus game of the month next month. So ooh, enjoy. It is, of course, a battle royale. <laughs> uh, moving on from there, Damon asked, uh, not not the Damon we work with. Uh, what are some PlayStation games that you wish more people would play? Uh, they specifically were referencing something like Concrete Genie, which is one I tell people whenever they can to play because it's 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 delightful. It's short and it was on PlayStation Plus. So I hope you redeemed it. Um, but for me, one I did want to bring up was uh, Gravity Rush and Gravity Rush 2. Yes. Uh, Gravity Rush was on the Vita, but it's been remastered. So both it and two are on PS4. They're pretty often on sale for like 10, 20 bucks. Uh, definitely pick those up. They are such fun, charming, wonderful examples of what used to come out of Sony Japan, which won't any longer because it's, you know, no longer the same teams. But uh, they're such clever, really fun games with a, a very unique uh movement uh momentum system that is 
probably the closest thing to a superhero game within the Sony first party stable that wasn't infamous or Spider-Man. Like it, it's it's a superpower in a really cool way in this really unique world uh, where you play as I believe the, the main girl's name is Cat and there are also cats in the game. So if, you, if you're a cat fan, you'll be delighted. But yeah, I, I love those games and I wish they were still in the conversation more. Yeah, I'm totally with you on that. Uh, I, I feel like there's criminally slept on. Um something like uh, Lumines or Lumines, however you want to call it. Uh, I, I believe it had like a, a, it had buzz for a while. It was the, you know, one of the most talked about Vita games at the time, but that's an awesome franchise and it's yeah. done really cool stuff. And it's, it's in a, you can play it in on, on a bunch of different platforms at this point. But I feel like when we, when we're sort of like talking about some of the great puzzle games of all time, that one sort of fell through the the cracks over the last few years, which is kind of a bummer uh, on PSVR. I think res is, awesome it's like one of the coolest experiences on that platform um and it it came early with the system so i don't know if a lot of people kind of retroactively went back to appreciate it but definitely give that one a shot too when you can and then obviously you know uh astro's rescue mission most recently i i I will completely repeatedly i know you will too bang the drum that it's like if you're getting a ps5 or you have a ps5 playroom yes i'm sorry yeah no i'll go yeah um Please play that game. It, you know, I, I don't think anyone really has high, you know, expectations for like a, a pack in game starring like a, a weird robot. Like <laughs> that's historically not really something where you'd be like, oh, that's going to be a, a, you know, a great game. But it's really, really, really awesome. Um, yeah. And it, I implore you to play it. If your friend has a PS5, go over there for a few hours and 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 play it. Like just check that game out. It's It's really, really great. Yeah, it's it's just pure delight. And I, I adore it. Speaking of uh, I, I say Lumines, but yeah, I am um, when I got a Vita, I think the Lumines on there was like the first game I got. And I played that. I just got so absorbed the way the way that game uses music and puzzle gaming is just it's such a delight. It's very Tetris effecty, but wasn't Tetris. Um, moving on from that, uh, Antoine asked, uh, I really just want to know about your pizza sauce recipes. And I believe, Ryan, this is for you, as I have not made pizzas recently, but you were posting about some delicious looking pizzas. Thank you. Twitter. Uh, yeah, I, I actually just go with a very simple red sauce for my pizzas. I tried using the one from my mom's ancient Italian immigrant family recipe. <laughs> and that's like a very hearty Sunday afternoon sauce type of thing. And not really so much like the heavy kind of stuff you want to put on a pizza on a Wednesday night. Um, so, yeah, keep keep it simple. I will say that in, in a pinch, I, uh, I I didn't in any of the photos I put up, but I will buy a sauce from a company called Rayos or Rouse. They oh, make yeah. R-A-O. Uh, they make some of the best or they, they make as an Italian, they make the only good jarred or canned <laughs> sauce I will eat. Uh, and it will go toe to toe with any homemade stuff. They sell it at Costco like for two for ten dollars for like these gigantic things. <laughs> so get that. That's it goes. You know, there's a couple of chunks of tomato in there, but otherwise it's that's good to go on pizza. But yeah, make your own. Look up a simple pizza sauce recipe. Um, use a little more salt than you need uh, or that you think. And don't don't overcook it, because once it gets too deep Ooh. of a flavor, I think it just it distracts from what the rest of the pizza is trying to do. Yeah, no, that's a that's a very fair thing. I I totally will second that Rouse recommendation. I definitely, especially in college, uh, tried my fair share of like jarred pasta sauces to you know have quick dinners and Rouse. As you do, (laughs) yeah, as you do, and and Rouse is definitely one that has. I still will buy on occasion when I need something just like quick to be able to make. Uh, Moving on from that, Austin asked, and we've talked a little bit about this, but since it's it's just one on one, I was curious if if anything has 
struck a nerve with you since we've learned more about this project. But with HBO adapting The Last of Us and Sony reportedly looking to translate more games to film, which uh, adaptation would you love to see the most in a movie or series? Um, and I, I wanted to bring this up just because I, I realized I, I talk about it every so often, but I... I don't know if we'll ever get another game, but I just love the world of Sly Cooper and the idea mm-hmm. of this like anthropomorphized spy heist caper world, but also set in the real world. Uh, I just think it's such fertile ground for a re- show or movie. And they were working on a show like years ago. There was some production company working on it and it's just been silence for years. That's right. Um, so that that's the one that always comes to mind for me. I don't, I don't know if there's one, but um, like I, I feel like I've always wanted a or oh not always, but over the last few years, I've really wanted some sort of cinematic or sort of television shaped adaptation of God of War. I, I think mm-hmm. the dynamic there is amazing. I think that there's like something super, super fascinating about this, you know, kind of gruff, barbaric world that's also rife with high fantasy and, and vibrant colors and, and like humorous characters. I mean, that is that is that is a universe that feels ready for film or TV. Like it's so wonderfully fleshed out. It's so smart. You know, it's, it's, there's just so much going on for it. Uh, additionally, I feel like, uh, horizon would be something awesome as sort of like a Netflix animated show. Um, I feel like that's like a little too high concept to make it like, you know, that's, that would be a very, very big budget movie, basically. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's or not the really, one you, or a not great low budget movie. <laughs> yeah. I, I was going to say, that's the one that either like, you, you probably don't, uh, cause Austin had said like, I'd love to see what HBO could do with it. But I, it's like with horizons world, I almost don't want it to be as great as some, you know, HBO shows can look like game of Thrones, obviously. And I'm sure the last of us will too. Uh, I, I just don't know if they could f- reasonably bring that world to life in a in a satisfactory way that didn't make some of the cgi look a little cheap because like yeah there's a there's a reason the dragons didn't show up on game of thrones in episode one to the extent that they did in later seasons mm-hmm. <laughs> um but it would be very cool to see uh tanner asked uh this is going totally off playstation script but i i liked the question what music act deserves its own video game well, Wu Tang already got one, so you're right, you're, you're right there. <laughs> they got a, um, a not great fighting game that I enjoy. <laughs> um, the, the, I picked out this question mostly because, um, so I don't know if you've played it yet, but Maquette, uh, the the puzzle game that's free on PlayStation Plus, uses a lot of like uh, folky rock music in it. Like it, it's got a very modern uh soundtrack that i just don't feel like i'm always used to hearing in a game unless it's like really hard like rock or metal Mm. Uh, and so just the idea of like a rom track seemed really cool to me uh and i feel like there's a there's a band i really love and they came out with a new album lake street dive and they don't they don't fit into like one sort of category but they're like jazzy pop like the all the all the artists come from like a jazz background but they're they're a really great live band that it's like a lot of really great musicianship and i just feel like an annapurna game that put their music to a rom-com indie game would just be like my perfect thing like it would just 100 percent would just be the thing Ooh, i would want <laughs> i really like that that's a really good idea um I don't know if you noticed, Annapurna was tweeting pictures of their office the other day. Yes. It's super cool stuff in there. Yeah. Um, so go check that out. They, I believe they have a model of the house from What Remains of Edith Finch, which yeah. is just... It was insane. One of the, yeah, it was one of the coolest things. That I, I was like, I want to put action figures over this thing. I know. Um, yeah, uh, I don't... So I don't... Did you play Sound Shapes back in the day? 
Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I so there was a bunch of like original yeah. music from Beck on there right. that evolved yeah. as you play. There was like some really cool stuff. So I I would want a game like that. Uh, I'm a big fan of the producer Madlib. Uh, he okay. was under the Stones Throw record label for ages. Uh, used to work mm-hmm. with MF Doom and a bunch of other people. Gotcha. Um, doing some sort of like uh, platforming game where the layers of his music evolved as the game evolved would be super cool. I, I I like that for sort of any instrumental producer, like the level getting more challenging and sort of, uh, you know, supplemental tracks being added on top of uh, the existing beat that's there is a, is yeah. a really cool idea. Um, and I think a, a bunch of like sort of obscure and weird indie producers could, <laughs> could link up with something like that. That'd be really cool. Yeah. I, the, the idea of, yeah, music with a platformer. I totally forgot about sound shapes for a second, but yeah, it just, it marries so well. That would be such a cool thing to say. Um, last but not least, and I was, I was just curious to hear how it's been going for you. Cam asked, as someone looking to grab a PS5, one thing that worries me is storage. With game sizes steadily growing, do you find storage to be an issue with the current default SSD size and your daily usage of the console? Um, in addition, do you feel like Sony is doing enough to address this? And so I kind of wanted to ask for you, like, have you been downloading and deleting a lot of stuff? Have you been, like, reticent to download something because of how big it is? Like, how, how has the PS5 space been treating you? Yeah, it sucks. It yeah. sucks. I'll be I'll be completely blunt. I you know we this is this this is not a surprise. We knew this going in. It's just not enough space. It's just not for for what they're trying to do. I think if you are, I mean, I was going to say if you're a casual gamer um, and you only play Call of Duty, but you're probably more screwed than I am. <laughs> like yeah. I actually by not really engaging with the Call of Duty franchise, I'm saving like hundreds of gigs of hard drive space a year. Uh, and it, 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 yeah, it's great. It actually makes me a little less inclined to go jump in and play those games because I'm always just like, all right, well, who's got to die on the hard drive? <laughs> like it, it yeah. really does feel like the um, it, it it sort of takes away a lot of the uh, kind of impetus I have to download a bunch of PS plus games to uh, buy a bunch of games in a sale. Cause part of me is always just like, there's that stupid thing in the back of my head. It's like, this is going to be annoying. And I've had, you know, I, this is not the first time I've had this. I had this with the Nintendo Wii, pretty much every Nintendo system ever made, you know, but I think with those, like with my switch on day one, I put in a 400 gig SD card, which more than covered me for a while. I believe they support up to a terabyte now. Um, and yeah, you can add an external hard drive to your PS5. It's just, it's sort of like a, a fridge behind the fridge. Um, it doesn't really communicate in the same way. And so, yeah, it sucks. What can you do though? Like, yeah, this is, this is, a, this, they scoped this going in. They knew this would suck. And here we are. And it sucks. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a downside for me. I like, I will say at the very least, it, it doesn't offset it at all. But the the download speeds on PS5 have been yes. much better for me than PS4. So at the very least, I like I have definitely done a lot of deleting and downloading stuff to make room. And at the very least, it takes such little time now to be able to get to the game. That's at least a, a nice thing. But yeah, it's it's so weird to know that like we it just should have been a, a main terabyte like for it to have this weird 875 or whatever exact weird number right. was i was just like just just go to the terabyte number just please right <laughs> which which was even less after the when you account for the operating system like yeah it's just like it's at like 677 or something i think which is such a weird arbitrary number yep. when like you know there are triple a games regularly reaching the 100 plus gig territory constantly now yeah constantly yeah. um and then you you know you throw in D- dlc and extraneous story campaign stuff and 
multiplayer modes. And these these games are very bloated. And I feel like part of that is, yes, on the developers. I wish it, things got easier for everyone to sort of consistently make those file sizes smaller. But part of it is just like Sony for launch PS5 consoles shipped something that does not have enough storage space. And I have yeah. a feeling in a year or two, there'll be a new SKU that, you know, has two terabytes or something like that. And, you know, you and I will begrudgingly trade up. But yeah. It sucks right now. It just yeah. does. Especially, yeah, as you're saying, like for us who, especially when we're in it, you know, day by day, I, I'm expecting to do that. But a lot of people may not. They may be buying a PS5 right now, and that's the PS5 they're going to own. Uh, and so, yeah, to have to deal with that space. And as you were saying, yeah, like you you can use expandable storage, but all of the the functionality of like the same high speed SSD stuff isn't quite there. There's there's um, things we're waiting for uh, to be able to have that stuff to have parity. And yeah, it's one of those things where I agree, like two or three years down the line, two terabytes probably going to be the norm. A PS5 Pro will probably be the norm with the two terabyte or whatever. But it's. Yeah, it, it is a definitely frustrating thing that I have, as you said, bought a bunch of games on sale all the time. And then I'm like, oh, right. I forgot I own that game because I'd never downloaded it to begin mm-hmm. with. Um, so, yeah, it's it's definitely a thing I'd like to see them address sooner rather than later. Um, moving on from those questions, though, thank you so much to everyone who questions. Uh, one of those questions was related to our segment memory, card, which, of course, is our weekly segment where you, the viewers and listeners, write in with your sad, weird, wacky, happy, whatever memories of your them on the show uh kiki asked uh will you and jonathan since at your tweet do a memory card each a memory card of your own (laughs) and i like i liked the very like magical way they asked it like just do a memory card of your own i i enjoyed that Uh, not to put of course if nothing comes to mind immediately um i can i can vamp uh and think of some things because i i do definitely have a few this is not a playstation related one but it's actually when i was having a conversation with a few people was um the joy because it, it's something that i've thought about especially as playing soulsborns and like so much of the the discovery aspect is like the communities coming together to figure out like the lore or where secrets are and all that stuff but like as a kid where you heard a rumor about a game on the playground and you had to like hope the thing was right when you went home to do it and the first time i'd ever heard of Missingno, the the like right. rich Pokemon was I was I was at like tennis practice as like a seven year old and a kid was in the lobby who barely knew and was like, hey, do you want to see something awesome? I, I got this Pokemon. You can only get him here if you shut the game off after five minutes with this much battery and then go to this part of Cinnabar Island and then walk in a circle and then go into the water, but don't go fully into the water then come back and like it just this bizarre series of events to make this thing happen and it just felt like i was being taught a secret of the universe that only a few like vaulted people were were brilliant enough to know and of course it's like one of the most famed like easter egg glitch things of all time but as a kid with without the internet being what it is now it was just like i i felt like i had been put in on it on a life secret (laughs) and it was just one of the most like joyous discoveries as a kid that i had Mm mm-hmm um, I don't I don't know if there's any sort of like memories like that or just anything else you want to share, but it just came to mind so, for me earlier. Today. I've actually been thinking about this a lot. Uh, obviously, you heard me talk about Bloodborne a million times on the show. And I was thinking like when, you know, I, I yes, I bought that. I got that game. I think I bought that game when the day it came out. But that wasn't the first time I played Bloodborne. The first time I played Bloodborne. Was at Tokyo Game Show hmm. 2014 where Sony, as they always did back then, sort of erected this like two story 
labyrinthian booth <laughs> that had <laughs> weird living rooms all over the place. Yeah. Um, and so the downstairs of the booth was all PSVR. And this is this is six, seven years. God, almost seven years. Ago oh, now. wow. Yeah. Um, downstairs was PSVR. First time seeing it in person. First time trying it. I didn't know what I was doing. I was not I did not have my VRC legs at that point. <laughs> and I sat down and this like very, very nice Japanese attendant at TGS sort of walked me through it and put the headset on me. And I got to play PSVR for the very first time. And I was just like, what? Like, this is insane. This is crazy. Why am I still holding move controllers? And then uh, somebody at the show with us was like, they have a, they have a, like a horror game upstairs from the guys that made like Dark Souls and stuff like that. And I was like, huh, well, let's go check that out. And so I went upstairs and I sat down and I have the, the faintest memory of like running on that first street with like 20 dudes and just terrifyingly running in fear while these <laughs> weird Muppets with pitchforks chase me around and being like, what the hell was that? And, and just getting murdered instantly yeah. and being like, that was super hard. I don't understand that at all. And then leaving and then not really thinking about it. And I, it was like some part of my brain buried that memory, but just recently, cause we haven't been in conventions in ages, let alone TGS. Yeah. Um, my brain was like, Hey, you played Bloodborne at TGS. <laughs> <laughs> like I might've even ho- like co-hosted a video on it or helped preview or something like that so yeah yeah that was super cool that's so wild i still you know obviously since having just started playing soulsborne's games i haven't played one at an event but it's probably the the environment i'd least want to try (laughs) for the first time in like especially with developers nearby watching you that's the 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 last thing that and probably just like I i can't even think of something equivalent but yeah just the horror of knowing how badly you might be playing their game but that's it's it's so funny to think like from there playing it you know terribly or being scared and everything and then where the journey has been with bloodborne since then um it's and of course there were plenty of questions on twitter that were like can we get a bloodborne mention this week so it worked out Uh, we were able to fit it in but yeah it's um i i've been thinking about like what what will it be like when we have to go back to conventions and what will like the play experience be like and how much will be the same but also different it's going to be a very interesting time because those controllers pass through a lot of hands and we're probably going to be a little more thoughtful about that <laughs> uh, yeah that as we yeah, get back that's, into it that it's going to be a weird time for a while um anyway other than that before we wrap up uh brian is there anything uh i know is a journey how's that been going the witches yeah it just i think it might cut out for some. uh yakuza Oh God. Yeah. Yes. I, I still love it. It's, it's, it's just getting better and better. Um, I, I did that thing where I was like eight chapters in and I looked up at how many chapters were left and there's still tons. So these are like, I mean, I feel, I feel like I just like, imagine like you just got Disney plus for the first time and you're like, <laughs> I've never seen a, an a animated Disney movie before. Like this is what my kid's doing right now. And it's just yeah. like, Oh wow. Where do we start? You know, like the fact that I can just open this door now to this, seemingly endless world of hundreds of hours of a game that i really enjoy um has been really really fun so yeah still playing that still loving it um it's it's been a blast nice yeah i uh i beat lady butterfly over the weekend in sekiro i saw um, that which was a hell of a fight it literally i was like i think i was streaming it for maybe three hours before i got her down and i definitely had a few moments where i was going to crack um but it was a it's a really fun fight and i'm very glad it's 
it's such a cool experience to be able to jump into that game a little bit after all that time. Um, and, and people know what they're talking about with it. So I've, I've had some helpful guides, but uh, I, it's, I wanted to show you something very, very quickly. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, there's there's an artist that we both know, Gibbs Raincock. Yes, um, yeah. Or Raynock, I'm sorry, not Raincock. That's that's probably <laughs> a different artist. Um, he does a bunch of stuff about FromSoft games and games in general. He's done stuff for Death Stranding. He's an amazing illustrator. And I ordered a bunch of uh, prints from him uh, before Christmas break of, you know, Fear the Old Blood, uh, Eileen yeah. the Crow, Father Gascoigne. And he sent me this one, too. Hold on. <gasps> Dramatic tension, filling the time. What could it be? It's probably nothing to do with Soulsborne's, I'd assume. Oh, wow. And it is a oh, black man. and white print of Lady Butterfly. And when I see you next, Holy I'm giving hell. it to you. Oh, as well, thank you. <laughs> you probably got a trophy for doing that, but I will give you a. You That's know, a real actual, life trophy. A, a more real life one. That is. Because uh, that fight is hard Damn. as hell. <laughs> it is. It's so like it's a really fun fight too cuz it is really just like you just need to understand this boss. Like there's yeah. there's a little a couple things you can do to cheese it and like you can use shurikens to knock her down but like that's part of the strategy but it's 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 one where like you need to go toe to toe with this, you know, what you think is just a frail old woman and then she takes out like lady death strike like knives and she's like let's go crazy and it's like all right. <laughs> not not expecting that, but I I really loved it. In in sort of the uh, watching watching your journey through this game, it's been really cool seeing this versus the previous boss fight where you had that moment where you're like, I won, and then you yep. died. And then this one where you're like, oh, no, no, I have this. Like, yeah. There was a confidence there that was palpable, and it was infectious. It was super cool to see. Thank you. Yeah, that was it, it was one of those things where I'm like, I know I need to this like death strike thing. Like, I cannot let the death blow go by. I have to do it. And th- there's a moment in the video where like, break because i'm just so happy that i didn't miss it this time <laughs> but uh yeah it's but i i am fully into the like it, it definitely was happening with demon souls and dark souls but especially playing i think you know obviously their most recent game it's like i'm i'm just fully on board and i just want to be playing souls warns all the time now is I, where I, I'm at. I feel like i'm like in a like an abusive partner that we signed <laughs> you up for the bloodborne thing and then we're we were kind of like well we'll finish it and like it's sort of being like like we started watching a show and then, then I went on, you know, a, tr- a business trip. Yeah. And, you, it, uh, and you're like, I really like it. <laughs> I just want to play. I, I, I can't wait to get back to it. Like, I, I have definitely been help scratch that itch. But like, I'm so excited for us to be able to conceivably like it is. It is a weird thing to be able to say, but conceivably before the end of this year, we be able to be in a room together to play a game. Yeah, um, it'll be a funny possible. It'll be like a funny. Uh, I mean, I guess the term for it. For anyone just watching you, I guess people would call you a Mary Sue because you went, from, <laughs> yeah. you went from being this guy that's like, I've never played any of these games in the first two episodes to, OK, we're going to take a we're going to take a break for like six months and you come back and you're like, hey, by the way, there was a time skip and a training montage <laughs> and I finished every other FromSoft game. Yeah. And now I'm ready to beat this thing. Like you're going to kick Bloodborne's ass when you I'm get just going to wa- one shot every boss. It's yeah, gonna be, it's, it's not. <laughs> It's not going to be I'll have to like fake it and be like, oh, no, there I'll, I'll totally because each of these I've definitely noticed the like intricacies and, and differences of each. And I'm I'm sure I will come back to that and still need to get in the specific Bloodborne rhythms. But I think mm-hmm. having this base will help alleviate probably some of those pain points that we might end up in. Like the la- the last thing 
when we started filming that series, the last thing I ever wanted to do was get us to a point where it's like, and now Jonathan fights this boss for eight hours and we just have to sit here. So hopefully we can get a little past that now. No, it reminds me of that scene. uh, And I think it's in like Bill and Ted's bogus journey, (laughs) which is where they're like, oh, no, we're bad at music. And they just get in the they get in the phone booth on stage at the concert. And then they come back and they're just like they're old and they have beards and like babies. And they're holding guitars and they're like, we're really good now. We've been... <laughs> That's what it's going to be like with you. Yeah, that's all I need. I'm going to come back with a kid, too. It's going to be weird. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, before we we head off, though, uh, Brian did just want to ask anything you want to plug, either that you've been working on or any show, movie, uh, music, anything you've been enjoying recently as well? Hmm. Uh, nothing I can really think of. Um, go send some love to Max Scoville. He just Absolutely. had a baby, which is, you know, that's. That's more of an accomplishment than anything that I've produced or created over the last week or two. Uh, at, at least I would say just the le- last week or two. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, I had a great feature, though, and I think yeah. it's better than, you know, anybody's kid. No, no. no. Uh, so, yeah, go show some love to him. And that's why uh, he'll be he'll be back on the show in a couple of weeks. Yes. But yeah, please, please go congratulate Max if you haven't already. Um, it, it, wonderful, wonderful news uh, to see from him. But yeah, I do. Uh, this is a very, very silly one, but uh, I want to recommend. Uh, I don't know if you know the do you know the comedian Chris Gethard by any chance? No, I don't. So he. Oh, wait, heard, no, no. Yes. Yes, I do. Because I've always thought it was get hard. <laughs> That's what my, my girlfriend thought when I, when I brought her out to watch this TV episode. She's like, why are we watching the Chris get hard show? Um, <laughs> and she was like, That's it's like 7 p.m. We're eating dinner. Uh, but anyway, executive uh, produced by Gibbs Raincock. <laughs> uh, this beyond cinematic universe is really cool. <laughs> Um, anyway, Chris Gethard's this comedian. He he's done a few stand-up specials you can see all around. He does a podcast called Beautiful Anonymous, where essentially he'll have anonymous phone conversations with anyone who calls in, and he the only agreement is that he is just not allowed to hang up no matter what happens. It's a it's a really cool, thoughtful show. But he also used to host a public access sort of talk show called The Chris Gethard Show. And there's one episode that it ended up in my uh, Twitter feed. Someone was recommending to go watch it. It's called One Man's Trash. It's on YouTube. It's available for free. You can go check it out. It's called One Man's Trash. And it's him on this talk show that he hosts. You don't need to watch any other episode of the talk show to get it. But it's him, Paul Shear, and Jason Manzukis as the guests. And the whole conceit of the show is that they have a dumpster on set. It's the dumpster from outside their building in New York or whatever. And people are going to call into the show and they have to guess what's in the dumpster. And that is the whole conceit of this 45 minute episode of a show and the places this it goes, you could not fathom when the episode starts. But by the end of where it gets to what is in the dumpster is like revelatory. <laughs> like it, it genuinely it's one of those things where it's like you oh, the path to this joke can't work like what it's got got to be something stupid. The payoff is so great. Like go in not reading up anything on this show or any interview probably someone's written about it like just go in watch this episode and the the progression of how they all find and when they find out and when you find out it's just it's legitimately like a comedy masterpiece accidentally god that sounds Um, amazing it's it's so great i i highly recommend it uh, as a one-off but i i i watched it and then i made my girlfriend who I made her immediately come in and was like, you need to watch this. And she she probably thought it was one of those like, all right, I'll humor him and watch this. And then by the end, she was just as shocked as I was. It's oh, my God. It, it's really funny. I, I, I can't recommend it enough. Uh, my, um, Mike Drucker, who's a friend of the show, former IGN yes. employee, um, has this or used to have this show called Shit Arcade, 
where he would get a bunch of like comedy people together in a room to play bad games together in front of an audience. Yeah. And I did one in San Francisco two years ago with Paul Shear. Oh, and it was awesome. super fun because it was just like they just stuck the two bald guys in the corner um, <laughs> and it was just him and I just playing terrible video games with a bunch of other people. Max was there, too. I believe so Miranda great. was there. It was super, super fun. So that's awesome. Yeah, yeah I hope I, we get to bring that show back. Yeah, it, I, I always love the conceit of that show and I'm about to see it live. So I, I hope mm-hmm. I can check it out in the world eventually get to. Uh, but for now, that's going to have to wrap us up for this week's episode of Podcast Beyond. Uh, Brian, thank you so much for joining me this week. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you to everyone on Twitter that responded to my tweet. Uh, to show uh what it is today because exactly. seriously that was great yeah thank you, thank so you much. all thank you all so much for the questions uh and thank you of course to red our producer uh for helping to make the show happen and thank you to everyone out there whether or not you you put in a question thank you for listening thank you for watching thank you for supporting the show however you do of course uh you can find beyond normally wednesdays at 3 p.m pacific on beyond.ign.com youtube.com slash ign games don't forget to subscribe to the new channel as well as your favorite podcast services around the world and otherwise you can find me on Twitter at JM Dornbush and Brian at at Agent Fizzle. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's going to wrap us up for this week. So thank you so much for listening and watching. We hope you're safe. We hope you're well. And as always, beyond. Beyond. Have you ever watched a futuristic sci-fi movie and wondered, but wait, could any of this really happen? And will I live long enough to see it? That's what our show Hypothetical is about. I'm Carrie Bechet, and on this podcast, we ask what-if questions about the future. Like, what if we could read minds? What if the world's digital data was erased all at once? What would happen if the Yellowstone supervolcano erupted? Then we explore that question two ways, through speculative science fiction and through dialogue with brilliant scientists. The result is a genre-bending narrative that's interwoven with real facts provided by literal geniuses. And, spoiler alert, a lot of the science fiction out there, it's not nearly as far-fetched as you might think. Come time travel with me into the future on Hypothetical. New episodes on Tuesdays available on all your favorite podcast apps. Just search Hypothetical. That's H-Y-P-E-R-T-H-E-T-I-C-A-L.